We're going to be in John's Gospel in chapter 1, and our text this morning will be verses 4 through 5, and we're going to see, this is my title, Jesus is Life and Light. Jesus is Life and Light. We will read uh, the first five verses, but our text again will be verses Four, three, five. So this is John's Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and this is chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. A brief prayer. Our Father, your text has been read. It is your word. It is not the words of men. It is the word of God. So now, Lord, we ask that as hearers, we would hear the word and we would be quick to apply the word. Help us, we pray, to see the glory of Jesus and to believe and to worship. Lord, I'd ask that you give me great grace as we dive deep into two beautiful verses and see Jesus as life and light in the darkness. Help us, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. So brethren, John, the Apostle Jesus Love, is writing this book as an evangelist. As an evangelist. The purpose of John's Gospel is stated very clearly in chapter 20 and verse 31. Let me read it to you. John 20, 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life, life, everlasting life, spiritual life, life in his name. And John begins his gospel, this prologue, by showing us who Jesus is. We saw last time together that Jesus is God. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is not a prophet. He is not just a great teacher, a wise rabbi. He is none other than the Son of God. He's not just godly. He is God in flesh. So John labors to show us that he is the creator, that he is co-equal and co-eternal with his Father. All things were made through him, verse 3, and without him nothing was made that was made. So Jesus is the agent of creation. He is the creator. We mentioned last time that fundamentally there's only two massive categories, right? There is God alone. He's his own category. He is the creator. And category two is the creation, the creatures. That's us. 
So fundamentally, you've got God, the creator, and you've got his creation in four, from four different perspectives. Jesus' life and life from four different perspectives. Number one, we see that Jesus' life and life from the perspective of eternity. This perspective of eternity. Jesus' life and life, this affirms, again, his deity. Jesus has always existed. Now, the Jewish audience that would originally have received this letter would fully understand the Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I fear? Psalm 27, 1. So when John says that Jesus is life and light are tracking with him. It's like when Jesus stood before those religious leaders and said, before Abraham was, I am. Or when he said, I am the light of the world. They know exactly what he's saying. Jesus is saying, I am the one that revealed myself to Moses as I am that I am. He is saying, I am the eternal God. Now, we see a similar statement echoed in John 5, 26. I'll read this to you, John 5, 26. For as the Father has life in himself, so has he granted the Son to have life in himself. Again, brethren, we talked about this in great detail two weeks ago, so I won't say as much today, but you see a reaffirmation of Christ's deity and Aseity. He is self-existence. His self-existence. The Greek word here is zoe. It's a, a word that connotates spiritual life. It affirms that he is the source of all life, physical as well as spiritual life. So when John says in him was life. He is affirming that Jesus is the eternal Son of God and that he was life and light before creation. In fact, brethren, creation itself is just a manifestation, a revelation, a display, a physical display of the source of life itself, which is Christ. Brethren, only God is eternal. And so we see Jesus is the eternal Son of God. He is life, and he is light from an eternal perspective. But a second perspective I want to show us this morning is that Jesus is life and light from the perspective of creation. From the perspective of creation. What did he create? All things. Who made me, the children's catechism says? God made me. What else did God make? All things from the most simple cell to man himself, the furthest galaxies. He is the creator of all things. He is the creator of the human race. This, of course, means, brethren, that all people owe life and breath and existence to Christ. He is the reason that we exist. Even those who reject him, even those who hate him, he has given them physical life. All men owe their life and existence 
to Christ. Now, all religions, all man-made philosophies, they seek to reduce Jesus to an angel or a prophet or maybe just a man. But yet these people will all say, hey, you know, we're all pretty good people. You know, I'm good. I'm good with God. I bet, I bet some of you have heard that before. Before, I bet some of you have had a discussion with a family member and they say, hey, I'm a good person. You know, and one day I'm going to stand before God and he's going to say, you're pretty good. So I'm going to let you in. You're a lot better than Hitler. You know, you're a pretty good guy. You get in. And this is sort of the default mode of people. They think, hey, I'm a good guy. I'm a good gal. I'm going to get in. Well, the problem, of course, is there are none that good. No, not one. And apart from Christ, we're not good with God. In fact, we are under the wrath of God. Now, I want to give some testimonies to help us think about Christ as creator and our, uh, our duty to him. Here, first of all, is the testimony of John the Baptist. John the Baptist. John 3 and verse 36. This is the words of John the Baptist. He who believes the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God. The wrath of God abides on him. Here's the Lord's testimony of himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father except through me. Here's a powerful testimony. It's the testimony of the Father himself. This at the Lord's baptism. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And so, brethren, even those who blaspheme God, even those who deny his authority, he too made them. And they owe their life and breath and existence to him. He is eternal. He is the creator. He's also the sustainer of life. The sustainer of life. Listen to the testimony of the writer of Hebrews. He upholds all things by the word of his power. You hear that sustaining word? He upholds all things by the word of his power. That's a sustaining power of the Son of God. The Son of God not only gives all people life, he holds every detail of their life in the power of his sovereign hands. It's incredible. This is true of us. This is true of those who deny him, reject him, hate him, despise him, curse him, blaspheme him. He holds their very days in his hands. Now, consider, if you will, brethren, the patience of God, would you? Consider the patience of God. Consider how he's patient, even with those, even restrained to those who hate him, deny him, persecute his people, blaspheme his great name. The Son of God shows amazing patience, amazing restraint to keep them from hell. And yet their days are numbered. He upholds all things by the word of his power. He is he is the light and life from an eternal perspective, from the perspective as the creator, the sustainer of life. Every heartbeat, every breath, every new day, your eyes open up. God ordained it to be. He allows it to be. It's incredible. 
He is the creator and sustainer of life. He is also, we want to see, uh, the light. We talked about how he's the life. He is also the light of men. Consider that from the perspective of creation, that he is the light of men from the perspective of creation. Jesus is the creator of the light of all men. Number one, number one, men know, or men have reason. Men have the ability to reason. We're different than the animals. We have a conscience. There is even an urge to worship. And that is because there is a natural light of all men. The natural light of man is, of course, greatly, greatly, greatly affected by sin and the fall. The natural light of man is not enough to save. It will not get him to heaven. It will not allow him to know or grasp or understand the gospel. But there is a natural light of man. But people are gospel know things. Number two, they know that there is a wise God. They know there is a God who's wise and eternal and powerful, that he is a judge. They look at creation, they say, they know intuitively. If there's a creation, there must be a creator. Now, this natural light does not bring them to Christ, it does not bring them to God's gospel, but it's enough to know there is a wise, powerful God. Number three, man knows that he is sinful. All people know that they are sinful. That that is a universal knowledge. They might not understand the depth of the sin, but they know that they are sinful and that their sin is against a holy God. But brethren, only Jesus gives spiritual life. Spiritual life. Only Jesus gives spiritual life. Only Christ can break the hard, dark heart of man so that he may be saved. So listen, if somebody embraces the good news of Jesus, if they recognize their great need for Christ and his forgiveness, it's because he gave light. Now, a few things to think about in regards to this. The thing number one of Luke 24, the two disciples that were walking with the Lord on the road to Emmaus, it's after the resurrection. They did not recognize Jesus. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And now they can see. That's light. Or Lydia, when the Lord opened her heart to believe. That's light. Jesus, the creator of physical life, is also the creator of natural light and supernatural light. Sovereign grace. Salvation. Thanks be to God. So we have seen that Jesus gives life and light, both physical life and spiritual life. The third, let's consider from the perspective, light and life from the perspective of the incarnation. The incarnation. In him was life and the life was the light of men. So when our Lord came into this world, he displayed light to me. And that little baby lying in a manger is a light of the world. Now, of course, there was light before our Lord came to this earth. There was light in the Old Testament prophets, the miraculous acts of God, parting the Red Sea, just for example. That was light. But listen, here's the difference. That was light, but Jesus is light. He is the light 
of the world. He is the manifestation of eternal life. It's God's light seen in Jesus. I am the light of the world. So let's ask, what kind of life and light does Christ give? Well, brethren, it's the very life and light that you see in Christ himself. It is eternal life, abundant life. The new birth is the life of God in the souls of man. It is a miracle. It is wondrous. It is gracious. And it is from God. Believer, never, ever, 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 ever say God's never done a miracle in your life. If he opened your dead, cold heart, he's done a miracle in your life. It is a spiritual resurrection because you, friend, were dead in your trespasses and sins. And fourth, we see Jesus' life and light from the perspective of salvation. He is life and light from perspective of salvation. Listen, brethren, again, only the Lord Jesus can deliver man from death. Here again, the words of John the Baptist, he who believes the Son has everlasting life. You know, salvation comes because man is separated from the Lord, from Christ, but Christ reconciles us to God, gives us fellowship and love and peace. Only Christ is the life of man. The, from the perspective of salvation, he is life and he is light. So when our Lord says, I am the light of the world, he is saying everyone outside of him is in the dark. And you know, brethren, it's always been that way. He's always been the light, always than the light, even any light that Adam and Eve had is because Christ gave them that life and light. He imparted to them from the Father, through the Son, applied by the Holy Spirit. It's always, always, always been that way. And anyone outside of that light is absolutely in the dark. The dark. Read again verse 5. Let's see now how the Lord Jesus shows, how John shows us the glory of Jesus in light of the deep, deep darkness. Verse 5, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The Lord is light in the darkness. See again, brethren, the glory of the Lord Jesus in this deep, deep darkness. John here is highlighting the light like a jeweler, right? A jeweler puts the beautiful diamond on the black feltness to highlight the power and beauty of that diamond. So it is with our Lord. The light, the precious light of our Lord is highlighted by the black felt background of evil. And sin. Now, brethren, you know this that believers and non believers all ask questions about the problem of evil. We all look at this world and recognize this world is, is greatly marred by sin and full of pain. A lot of people wonder about the problem of evil. Number one, we need to see God 
in his decrees had a place for evil. Say it again. God, in his decrees, had a place for evil. Here is our confession on God's decrees. God hath decreed in himself from all eternity by the most wise and holy counsel of his will freely and unchangeably all things whatsoever comes to pass. But if I could sum up the rest of our confession state uh, statement about this, we know that man is responsible for his sin. We know that God is not the author of sin. We recognize that God has no fellowship with evil. And so we just simply recognize that there is some degree, can't you see, there's some degree here of mystery, and we do not want to go beyond what is written, but what we do know is God, in his decrees, had a place for sin. Here's something else that we know, brethren. Number two, God is absolutely sovereign, and even the darkness reveals his glory. The second point here, main point here is the definition of the dark. What is the dark? What do we mean? What does the John mean when he says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness? What is this darkness? Right, this darkness is evil and anything that opposes God. Now, before the fall of man, there was, of course, no darkness. The light is separate from the dark. So before the fall, before the fall, there was just God. In 1 John, John says in 1 John 1, 5, God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, he dwells in inapproachable light. So, there is no evil, there is no darkness in God. The third main point here is the fall. The fall brought sin and evil into this world, and the result, of course, is darkness. And this fall had a result on the spiritual world. See, number one, the angelic rebellion. The fall of Lucifer. The fall of the angels, select angels, not elect angels. We recognize that there is a spiritual opposition to God. Paul say, calls them the principalities and powers, the forces of darkness in this age. That's Ephesians 6. By the way, brethren, we all once were under the jurisdiction of uh, Satan. We were all once captive to the dark domain. Here's Colossians 1.13, speaking of Jesus. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. And so, brethren, the, the details of your own personal conversion may be dramatic or not so dramatic, but here's the deal. If you're in Christ, you were rescued. We were once in the kingdom of darkness. Again, we see this darkness in fallen angels. Number two, we see this darkness in fallen man. Here are Ephesians 4, 17 and following. 
Ephesians 4, 17 and following. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Listen. Because of the blindness of their heart. This, this brethren, is a natural default state of man. Blindness of their heart. Who being past feeling had given themselves over to lewdness to work all in cleanness with greediness. Of course, this is a similar picture of Paul in Romans chapter 1 where he shows a society given over to selfishness and pride and sin going further and further and further into the dark. It is a, it's a very ugly picture. So we've seen the darkness of angels. We've seen the darkness of men. Now let's, let's think for a moment of the evidence. Number three, the evidence of this darkness. The evidence of this darkness. Well, that's all around us, right? You drive by a cemetery, that's evidence of darkness. You drive by a hospital, that's evidence of darkness. You drive by rehab centers, prisons, it's evidence of darkness. Where there's broken marriages, that's evidence of darkness. Where there's rebellious children, it's evidence of darkness. You know your own sins, that's the evidence of darkness. It's death, it's disease, it's hatred, it's pride, it's division, it's darkness. It's, it's all around us. It's we, brethren, if we're just being honest, we, we're like the atmosphere. It's like being fish in the sea of, of darkness. We're, we're surrounded by it all the time, and, and frankly, it's easy to get used to the dark. Darkness is all around us. It affects everything. It affects life. It affects relationships. It affects people intellectually, emotionally, volitionally. It affects everything. The Brethren, the nature of sin is such that people even reject sin. They reject it. They reject responsibility. They blame others. It's the government's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's my upbringing's fault. It's my state's fault. It's not my fault. It's the president's fault. It's the governor's fault. It's the mayor's fault. It's, it's society's fault. It's that race's fault. It's that race's fault. It's on and on of blame shifting, going, going back to the garden. Nothing new under the sun here. That woman you gave me, she made me do it. It's not my fault. This is not my fault. I'm a good person. I just need a bad society. I had bad role models. My dad wasn't there for me. My public school was terrible. You have no idea what I've been through. Blame shifting. The nature of sin is such that men do not want to hear, receive, acknowledge the truth. And that's the picture that John is, is portraying for us. It is it is a world full of darkness. But here, brethren, that's the discouraging word. Here's the encouraging word. The light. The light shines. The light shines in the darkness. Our Lord Jesus came to confront the darkness. Here, here John in 1 John 3, 8, he came to destroy the works of the devil. He did this. By accomplishing salvation in his active and passive obedience, his, his perfect life, never sinning, his going to a cross and laying down his life for his people. And through his death and resurrection, 
He bound Satan so he can no longer deceive the nations. So brethren, Jesus is the light, present tense of the world. He, he came to pierce the darkness. And of course, we see in this room the power, the power of that light. This is not theory. It's not theoretical up in a cloud somewhere. We've seen. Now hear this. Saved sinners have a unique testimony. We have seen how ugly and powerful the darkness is, and we can testify how great the light is. How great the light is. We have seen the light shine in the darkness. So brethren, here's, here's something we need to understand. The, there are certain glorious truths we would not know about our gracious Lord if it was not for the darkness. We would not know the greatness of salvation, of mercy, of grace, of redemption, of forgiveness, of justification, of sanctification. One day our future glorification would not all be as it is if it were not for the darkness. God has a reason for the darkness. So we as saved sinners feel the joy of being called the children of God because we were once the children of the enemy. We were once in the dark. So brethren, God decreed darkness so he could show us his church, his love and his light and his life. And his light. Now see in the second half of verse 5, and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it probably a better word for this would be the darkness did not overcome it and comprehend is the word translated in the New King James Version again probably better to say overcome it the darkness did not overcome the light so you get this picture, don't you? When you read through the Gospels, you see all the, the powers of hell uniting and banding together on a full assault on the light. I mean, everywhere our Lord goes from his temptation in the wilderness throughout his entire ministry, he was bombarded with satanic powers. It, of course, culminated in his death. We see... See our Lord as um, he's accosted in the garden of Gethsemane. He says, but this your hour and the power of darkness, the power of darkness. Um, that night on that dark, dark night, it looked like the darkness had overcome the light. Looked like those who rejected the Lord Jesus and, and screamed out, Give us Barabbas, crucified Jesus. Looks like they had won. It looked like hope was dead. It looked like darkness had overcome light. But actually the opposite is true. The light overcame the darkness by accomplishing salvation through his substitutionary death for his people. 
Our Lord told his disciples as he instituted the Lord's Supper that same night, by the way, in Luke 22, 22, and the Son of Man goes as it is what? Determined. He said three, time in John, three times in John 10, no one takes my life from me, I lay it down. And so the mission of Jesus has always been to come to the earth that he created and to save his people from their sins. A perfect atonement, perfect redemption. And he did this, brethren, to give his people spiritual life and light and to deliver us from the evil one, to overcome the darkness, to lay down his life for sheep. And in time, the shepherd calls his people to himself and we respond to his gospel repentance and faith. Praise be to God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was once blind. I was once in the dark. I once couldn't see wonderful things, but now I see. Brethren, we were once in the dark. So again, why, why now are we in the light? Why are we in the light? Here's, here's why. This will be our, our closing, closing verse. This is 2 Corinthians 4, 6. Listen to this. Why are you in the light if you're in the light? For it is God who commanded light to shine in darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Why are you in the light? It's because the Father before time chose the people for himself. The Son came to the earth that he made, laid down his life for his people. And listen, brethren, in time, the Spirit of the living God did a miracle in your life. You were dead in trespasses and sin. And one day, the same Creator who said to creation, let there be light, spoke to your soul. And you passed from death to life. Praise be to God. Father, our hearts are filled with joy and wonder as we have seen the glory of our Lord Jesus through John. We've seen our Lord who came to the earth that he created. He laid down his life for his people. And he destroyed the works of the devil. And Lord, we rejoice that you set captives free. That you laid down your life for sinners, just like me. And Lord, we would pray and ask that as the good news of Jesus has been preached, Jesus, who is truly God and truly man, our Lord Jesus, our precious Lord Jesus, who lived a life none of us could live, perfect, sinless, spotless life. Our Lord Jesus, who went to a cross and died for sinners, who bore the wrath of God that we deserved. Jesus, who rose again from the grave, who's alive. Lord, I pray that all the saints would glory in God's gospel. We would glory in Christ and him crucified for wretches and sinners like us. Praise be to God. And Lord, should there be anyone in this room who has never been converted, 
Should it be any in this room, child, adult, we pray that you would do something that I cannot do. We cannot do. We pray that the one who spoke creation into being would speak life and light into a soul and rescue them, we pray, from darkness. Lord, we pray that as we go to our homes today, that the gospel would ring in our ears. The light shines in the darkness. You shone in our hearts. You gave us the new birth. Help us, Lord, to rejoice as the children of God. Lord, we pray that your hand would be upon our congregation. We ask your blessings upon us in Christ's great name. Amen.